Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning, everybody. How are we? How are we? That was an actual question. Okay, good. Good. I've had a sleepless night, actually, but I am excited to be with you. Um, this is the last week in the series. Next week, we start this amazing series on the life of David. And uh, you need to get a book for that because starting Monday, we have books, we have videos, we have daily video devotionals ready to come your way five days a week. Um, eight churches all over the Bay Area are doing the same series together. Uh, it is going to be amazing. And the books are back there. I'm excited for that. Um, can you tell I'm excited for that? Yeah. <laughs> Father, thank you for this time. I see faces that um, I feel like I have your perspective to a point where I see faces that are so beautiful that are saying to you, um, we don't have it all together, but if you lead, we're in. Thank you for those hearts that you see. Be honored in our time together. Be glorified. Reveal yourself to us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Something happened a year ago in Detroit uh, that was amazing to me and such an image to me of what the church is. Uh, I'm going to read it off the Washington Post article. It says, on a bridge overnight in northern Detroit, police said a man looked down on midnight traffic on Interstate 696 and considered jumping. By the, first, by the time the first officers got to the overpass, which was 1 a.m., the man was still there deciding which way to go. So police entered into a protocol, blocked off the highway completely for a number of hours, talking to this man, uh, inviting him off the bridge and getting help in the hospital. But at some point, early Tuesday morning, a semi-truck went around the barricade and parked under the overpass. And then another and then another, and then another, until 13 semis were parked under the overpass. Look at this. The article talks about that, and it says, by the end of it, the man who had once been alone with his thoughts had police on each side of him to help, talking to him, and a row of truckers sitting vigilant under the overpass. So the man, whoever he was, walked off the bridge into the hospital to get help. Isn't that awesome? I want you to look at that picture because that is the image of what we are called to be as the church. Now I can imagine how this thing played out and I don't know how it played out, but in my imagination, I imagine the barricade going on and truckers on their CB radios or whatever they, whatever they have these days going, what's going on? We heard there's someone who want to jump. We can do something about it. We got to go. Let's break the barricade. And little by little, they inched up because a life was on the line, and when lives are on the line, you gotta go. Making it safe for the lives on the line. I think of that as PCC. How do you see that as an image of the church? Just talk back to me for a minute. How do you see that as an image of the church? What? Compassion. Teamwork. Stepping up. You can jump and we'll catch you. Yeah, I love that. Salvation. Being present. Being present. It's really good. 
We're in this series called G4 Reboot, where we're rebooting priorities. And um, I want to just give you a visual for you visual learners. We'll take a minute and a half, and you can start that, that video, Barney, um, about what we're about. G4 is about infusing the hope of Christ in the world. That's why we exist. And we want to empower the generations to passionately follow Christ one home at a time. It's the best way to bring hope to our world. So how do we do this? Starts with a strategy and a heart like those truckers had to invest and invite in people. It's called neighboring. And then we make a priority of gathering together. Why do we gather? We gather to remember and to celebrate Jesus. He's so good. But we believe circles are better than rows. So we don't just gather, we grow through Reboot, which is a small group series, and through groups. We're pushing you into groups starting next week. Circles are better than rows. And then we give, because God is so good. God loves so much, that's what it does. Love gives, so we give too. It doesn't end there. Eventually we go, that's what we're looking at this week. We go because the news is so good. We don't gotta go, we get to go. And it repeats again and again and again. We believe human flourishing happens when communities prioritize gathering, growing, giving, and going. And that's what we're about here. And we're looking at the Church of Antioch as our case study. And you heard Leslie read the scriptures. And this week we're looking at the fourth G. It's not enough to gather. The church had to go. They had to go. So your Bible's open, Acts 11. Let's dive in, everybody. Acts 11, verse 19. I'm going to reread the scriptures and just literally kind of do a devotion with us this morning and walk through these scriptures together and talk about this go aspect. It says, now when those who had been scattered by a persecution that broke out, you can read about that in the same book, Acts uh, chapter 8. When Stephen was killed, they traveled north as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word, and this is a key aspect, only to Jews. Now, that's important. Up to this point, the church was only Jewish followers of Yahweh who embraced Jesus as Messiah. They thought that was all the gospels for, even though Jesus told them, go to the world. Back, gosh, you can go back to Genesis chapter 12. God told Abraham, go to the world. But we tend to turn inward and make it all about us, right? I, I know that's my natural tendency. That's what they were doing. Verse 20, some of them, oh, some rebels. These rebels changing the world for Christ. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and be began to speak, speak to Greeks. What's the next word? Also, also, circle only in 19, circle also in verse 20, telling them the good news. It's as if they were saying, and you can imagine the internal mindset. Do you think they were like kicking the dogs going, dang, we got to share Christ with others too. No, they couldn't keep it in. And they began to come across people that weren't Jewish and were like, why should we withhold this news that is so good from them? And so they also shared with them. Let me ask you a question. Are you an only type of person or an also type of person? Think of your spiritual energy. Is it only kind of spiritual energy or do you have enough reserve to have also spiritual energy, to share with those who are other? Let me ask you this question. Was Jesus an only 
kind of savior or an also kind of savior? This, isn't, this is not in your notes, so if you're taking notes, John 10, 16, Jesus said, I'm quoting him now, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. He's talking to Jews, and he's saying, actually, there are different kinds of sheep that I need to bring into the fold. That's Gentiles. How many of you are non-Jewish? Yeah, he's talking about us. Me too. And look what he's, well, you can't look, but in John 10, 16, listen to this. Jesus says this, most beautiful words some of them out of his mouth. I must bring them also. There's other sheep. Jesus is like, I'm Jewish. I love Judaism. But I want Italians in heaven. I want Africans in heaven. I want Asians in heaven. And Jesus said, I must bring them also. Jesus is an also kind of savior. Most of us, all of us, were also, spiritually speaking, at one time. And when it comes to the gospel, for those of us who identify as Christ followers, aren't you glad? I'm so glad. Her name was uh, Devette. She put me on a prayer list when I was a freshman in college and prayed for me because she had an also kind of heart. And she just said, you know what? God's going to get you. She would tell me that. God's going to get you. This is crazy for turning guy. God's going to get you. I'm praying for you. And it wasn't like God's going to get you to give me a smackdown. It's like God's going to love you and overcome you with his love. I'm so glad she did that. What keeps us from also orientation in regards to the gospel? What keeps us from that? Why are we so only oriented? I, I'm not judging. I'm in here too. What is it about that? I know for me, I can't answer for you, only safer. But safety's a myth, everybody. Safety's a myth. Look at this article, this cover article in The Atlantic, 2014. The overprotected kid. It says, over the last 30 years, we've created the most risk-averse culture in history. We are the most seat-belted, bike-helmeted, Airbagged, knee pad wearing, hand sanitizing, video monitored, sunscreen slathering, hyper insured, massively medicated, password protected, I don't have enough breath, valet park, security system, bubble wrap generation in history. <laughs> and it says all it's done is make people afraid of everything. Now I'm not taking, talking about taking risks for risk's sake, but I really think this is what we think a good Christian should be. Next image. <laughs> I remember my number one prayer for my daughters. I've got five and keep them safe, Lord. And that's a good prayer. I'm not against that. But really is our end game keep us safe? Sometimes I wonder if the Lord says to me, you have seatbelts and airbags. Don't you think you're safe enough? See, the idol of safety that I really believe is like the number one thing for our lives uh, is destroying our faith. I want you to consider that. Playing it safe spiritually stunts our impact, shrinks our faith, shrivels our spiritual growth. Look, be safe. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Be safe. But when it comes to your spiritual life, safety isn't the end game. Significance is. And sometimes, my goodness, let's read the Bible and let's read church history. God calls us out of safety, out of the only barrier that we love to live in, to take a risk for the gospel. 
which I want to ask just humbly, when's the last time that was part of your day? And then I humbly want to put before you, why not? This church didn't play it safe. Didn't play it safe. I don't want to belabor the point, but I'm grateful for the men of Cyprus and Cyrene who jumped the safety barrier of only Jews and shared the gospel with Gentiles too. We wouldn't be here if that didn't happen. The church was born. Open your notes for a minute. Let me tell some stories. This is filled... When you give, we're taking an offering in a minute, you're giving to over 60 ministries at PCC. We give this to you as a prayer guide. But this is filled with people who don't play it safe. I want you to look at the fourth column, missions. These are uh, also endeavors of our church. The foster care system. We're joining about 30 churches all over the Bay Area who had the audacity to ask God that no kid remain in the foster system, that there's enough homes within the pews of the churches that every foster kid has a home because foster kids are also included in the gospel. Generations United, that's our ministry to serve the under-resourced, mainly non-Anglo in our city kids in the under-resourced schools. Reveille, you know how that started? A veteran from Afghanistan war was pumping gas and he ran into a nurse at the VA hospital and he found out that the VA hospital is the number one receiving center for the war wounded with spinal and brain injuries. And God gripped his heart right there in the gas station. And Reveille was born from there. They had a huge car show yesterday. Street Life Ministries, four nights a week on the streets, because we believe having a home is not the qualification for hearing the gospel. That's good. I just came up with that. That's really good. <laughs> having a home is not a qualification. And so for four nights a week, and there's something like 30 churches involved in this now. It was birthed out of here, but 30 churches are involved all over the place. We're being asked to go to Hayward and to different counties now because the model is so good. This column is all also kind of endeavors. Look at global. These are, these are people that, that are insane. They, they, have, they make no sense, their lives. They've given their lives to go overseas to serve and also endeavors. It's crazy. Many of them got their call to ministry here at PCC. I want to tell one story. Look at the sixth column, Missions Global, the white one. Look about halfway down, the Sabuli Sanguma Center. See that? Sabuli Sanguma, 20 years ago, uh, long before me, there was a woman who's still in this church. She's now a pastor named Sharon Seberger. Anyone know that name? Sharon Seberger. She was just head of the missions department. And she connected with a woman that headed a nonprofit that uh, paid for people in the developing world to get their PhDs in America and to go back to their home country. And that woman is also one of our pastors. Have you ever heard of Pastor Merritt Sawyer, our executive pastor? Merritt was heading up this, this ministry. And so Merritt discovered a man named Mosai Sanguma getting his PhD. Uh, she connected with uh, Sharon Seberger, and we sponsored Mosai to get his PhD. So Mosai is in Southern California getting his PhD. His wife and five daughters are back in the Congo when the largest civil war ever to hit the continent of Africa takes place. 5.4 million people killed. 
in her village, their home village, they're worshiping like you are, one center. The rebels come to the village, throw a bomb out the front door. The church runs out the back door where they're there with AK-47s just to mow people down. Sabuli escapes with her five kids and runs into the jungle where she's there for months. And Mosai calls Sharon and says, I haven't heard from my wife. I think she's dead. I've got to go back. Sharon and Mosai connect. Sabuli gets out of the Congo through an asylum program, comes to Pasadena where they're together. The whole family is reunited miraculously. Mosai gets his PhD and he says, I'm going back to the Congo. And Sabuli, who lived through the trauma, says, you're going alone. I'm not going back. She's in a worship service like this. Are you tracking with me? Is this too much information? She's in a worship service like this, and they're singing a song, Here I am, Lord, is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. Kind of like what we just sung, I will follow, and God convicts her. See, things happen in gatherings like this that don't happen on a podcast or in other things. And God convicts her, and she turns to her husband in tears and says, we've got to go. We've got to go back. So she went back into the DRC with him. Long story short, her kids stayed here and a family uh, raised, helped her raise her kids here in America. And she started taking in orphan kids from the war. Uh, The Sabuli Center has over 120 children in it right now. Uh, Masai, just this last year, got elected as a senator in the DRC. It's an amazing story of two people who didn't stick with only. With his PhD, he could have easily stayed in America. But they went back because they had an also kind of faith. And they had to go. There was an urgency about them. When was the last time you followed Jesus into the realm of also? Stepping out of the comfort zone. What would that look like for you? I want to invite you to come tonight by the way, because there are teams that went out this summer and they're reporting back tonight on their also experiences from last year. Um, And also, also, as you leave, we have these magazines. It's called the Rebid City Climate. It's one of the greatest tools I have for also kind of thinking. It's free. And you can see them all over our city. And we've got them here for you. They're on the back table for you. Uh, One of our musicians, Janet, is the editor-in-chief of this. It's an amazing magazine. It's a prayer guide, really. It's not spiritual uh, per se, but it's a prayer guide where you see what's going on in our city. And as I read it every month, it's required reading of me and our pastors every month if we love our city to talk about and to pray through the shakers and movers in our city. Those are free for you. I'd love it if you pick those up as you leave. Okay, so the first thing I want you to know we got to go. You're going to have to jump over a barrier called only. It's not easy, but the Spirit of God can do it because God is an also kind of God. Can I get an amen? amen? Then, let's read on, verse 20. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak. Now, it doesn't say they began to preach. This is not, there's a Greek word for preaching. This is the word for normal conversation. When we have a greeting time, this is the word for normal, just talking to each other. And what I want you to see here is the gospel in the early church was not spread necessarily through the professionals. It's spread through people like you 
who were so filled with God they couldn't help but have it overflow. What did they speak? They spoke to Greeks also. What did they speak? Telling them the good news. See those five words? This Bible was written in a different language. It's just one word, and I'll give it to you. Gospelizing. Gospelizing. In other words, they just couldn't help but share the good news about the Lord Jesus. Telling them good news. I remember uh, having good news when uh, my wife said yes to marry me. That was good news. It's still good news 28 years later. But it was great news back then. Not that I doubted she would. I mean, I, I kind of figured she would. We already had the ring. We picked it out. But it was still good news. And you know what happened? Every conversation after that for the four months of our engagement, I just gospelized our engagement. No matter what we were talking about, it just came up. Because I couldn't keep it in. Listen, Jesus is way better news than my wife saying yes to me. And we can't keep it in. The good news is that Jesus came and conquered our greatest enemies. Sin, Satan, death. And he opened this kingdom for us called the kingdom of the heavens. That's what he called it. As a matter of fact, his primary message was the gospel of the kingdom. And he said, there is a realm available to you where sin doesn't reign, where you can live in, and you have actually the aspect and the chance to be restored in me. That's good news, my friends. It's good news. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ becomes a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. I love that. So look back at verse 20 with me. Look at verse 20. Do you see any names in there? Who are these men? Do you see their names? Does it list their names? They're the heroes of the faith, my friends. These are the people that uh, took the gospel over the Jewish barrier to help us Gentiles be folded in. Why don't we see their names? Their names are never given. Why? Because these men were more preoccupied with people discovering the name of Jesus than knowing their own name. And so Luke purposely keeps them out of the equation. I love this kind of faceless commitment. Remaining unnamed encourages common people like me, maybe like you, that God wants to use you too. Look at the inside again. There's unnamed people in here. Look at the last one, the centers. The community center. See that? First three, four Community center, community center, community center. You know, that's our swim, tennis, fitness club over there. There are people who are unnamed who gave and donated and invested for that community center. Actually, the original intent was a parking lot to have space for more parking. But then a pastor repurposed it thinking, wow, what if we use sport to reach people with the gospel in ways that a traditional church never could? There was a guy that uh, was playing basketball over there. Actually, he was brought to church here by a, a woman who broke up with him because she was a Christian, he was not a Christian. And she said, I can't date you anymore. Come to church with me. <laughs> it was his last ditch hope, and so he did. Uh, and he didn't connect with the service. But he looked in the bulletin, we had bulletins back then, and he saw there's a basketball league. He was an athlete. So he went over that week, midweek, he didn't have any friends. He was a transplant from the East Coast to play basketball. 
and he connected with the men on the basketball court. And they invited him out because they were going out to eat burritos and drink beer afterwards. And he went out and had burritos and beer after basketball. The bees are just killing it right here. <laughs> that went on for about three weeks. Then at a taqueria downtown, a guy named Anthony Mejia shared the gospel with that guy named Brian Wren. And Brian Wren received Christ in a taqueria in Redwood City through the community center's basketball outreach. Brian Wren has been pastoring here for 25 years this year. Aren't you glad that Anthony gospelized Brian over burritos and beer? Today, this week, 6,000 kids in Redwood City will be taking a PE class from one of our staff from the community center that is the primary PE provider in Redwood City. Now, we can't gospelize on secular campuses, but we can love kids and pray for them. And if they ask us why we're there, we've been given permission to share the hope for the reason, the reason for the hope that we have within us. See, this thing is amazing how this works. God loves to use uh, ordinary people like you. We have about 150 kids every day after school that come here and uh, come to after-school care. That program's impacted. We have a wait list. You know what my favorite part of the after-school care program is? The Grace Club. You know what the Grace Club is? It's the club of the parents uh, that have said, we love your care. We want our kids to have nothing to do with the religious um, teaching of your program. And because we're state licensed, we say, okay, we'll put them in the Grace Club. The leader of the Grace Club is a woman named Grace. And so we call it the Grace Club. And the staff is praying all year long that the Grace Club diminishes, that the parents would say, hey, my kid is asking, yes, absolutely. We trust you enough to transfer from the Grace Club into the regular program. We're reaching people through school-age childcare who would never set foot in the traditional church because the gospel is good news. Is it good news to you? Or is it just ordinary news? And my question is, is it good news Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're in your place of employment because where the gospelizing needs to take place the most is in the most abandoned missionary field in America, the American workforce. Now, I'm not saying you kick open the door on Monday and say, excuse me, everybody, I have an announcement to make. That's not what these guys did. We just went through a series made for Mondays. You work to the glory of God and you pray by name over your coworkers that God's blessing would rest in their lives and you'd be ready to share a reason for the hope that you have. Amen? Amen. Look at the result, verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The Lord's hand was with them. In other words, these people needed a helping hand. So do we. This was beyond them. And so they said, Lord, would, would you help us with this? And God said, I love that prayer. Let me lend a hand here. Uh, I wrote this week to the church. If you get a weekly email from me, if you don't get it and you want it, just put on the card Gmail and give us your email address and we'll get you a weekly devotional I send out. But I talked about installing this summer a gas grill and it was way beyond my pay grade. 
but I'm so cheap. I'm like, I'll do this. And so I had it all, all, it was all put out. And there was a little hole for the gas grill that wasn't big enough in our island. And I thought, oh no. And so I saw the gas line and I'm thinking, oh man, what am I gonna do? And so I, I watched a YouTube video on how to do this. It wasn't enough for me. And so, um, so I, I know what I do. I will seek the hand of Paul, my neighbor. Paul is a Renaissance man. His, his garage makes Home Depot look like the CVS pharmacy tool section. He works for Twitter. He's a lead guitarist in a band. He looks like Huey Lewis. I mean, this guy's got it all. He's an all-daughter dad. And so I just knocked on the door. I kid you not, he was um, soldering a pedal board while I knocked on the door. And I said, hey, can you just show me? I'm thinking of doing this. Can you just give me your eyes on this? He's like, I'd love to. And he jumped in, literally, he jumped in the hole in our island and he said, you gotta do this and this and this. He doesn't need YouTube videos. And he just put it all together, we popped it in. And like last night we had tri-tip, we celebrated my daughter's 18th birthday and, and I cooked it and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I installed that grill. <laughs> and my wife's like, yeah, with the help of Paul. I did install it with Paul's hand. These people, the church grew because of the Lord's hand on them. They knew where the heavy lifting comes from. You have in your bulletins something called bless. This is the greatest tool I've known to activating God's hand in my neighborhood, activating God's hand with relatives I love. And your homework this week is to read this packet to go through, I'll, I'll give you the, the bottom line. On the very last page, you can see where there's three to five people where you want God to bless them with the gospel. And so you write their names down and you put this somewhere where you see it and just say, God, would your hand help me in blessing this home? Blessing its occupants. Bless these kids. You can put schools on there. You can put uh, neighbors on there, relatives, whatever. Put it on there. And if you want the church staff to pray for you, bring it back next week. We'd love to pray through your bless list. But this is a tool to help activate God's hand where you're going and where your heart is. Because your heart is really God's heart through you. So we got to conclude. And I just want to say, Church, we gotta go. We've got to go. This, this is so good, it's too good to keep to ourselves. And the most important part of this gathering is when we break and go be the church and be gospel people out there. This whole series was designed to say, we know not everybody might be with us, but who is as a G4 disciple of Jesus? Who is saying, you know what? We'll prioritize gathering together. And I'm not gonna come to consume only. I'm gonna pray up before Sunday morning. And I'm gonna say, God, if you have a divine appointment for me, I'm looking to bless someone when I come to worship. I'm looking to bless you and others. I'm looking to grow, God, because circles are better than rows. I'm looking to give because the whole job of ministry is to equip the saints for works of service. And God, I'll go, because that's how the gospel spreads. That's our heart. That's where we're going this year. Let's pray together. 
Father, thank you so much for this church. Again, I see faces. I, I wish I could stop time and just sit with friends, encourage each other. But your Holy Spirit is more than able. So would you take the message from here? Would you bring conviction to our heart? Would you be the one that prompts us to commit, to prioritize, gathering, growing, giving, going? Not only do I believe that's what our city needs most, but it's the way of human flourishing. So we pray for that. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.